Welcome to the Love on the Go podcast, brought to you by Carolina's Matchmaker. I'm Lori Burzak, and for over 17 years, I've been helping singles find the relationship of their dreams all over the Carolinas. Along the journey, I've met so many amazing professionals and experts from various fields, and I'm excited to introduce them to you. What's my goal? I want to help you look at love and relationships in a new way and to grow in your understanding of how love works. Let's learn together how people have overcome personal obstacles and have found love, first and foremost, with themselves. The ultimate goal is realizing that you are worthy and deserving of love. Let's get started. Welcome, Michal Neistetter. Hello, Michal. Hi, Lori. How are you? I'm good. Um, All right. Here's the deal. Michal and I, I'm going to get into her bio in a second, but she and I connected, she's a matchmaker in Philly and does lots of things. Um, she connects people, she fosters healthy relationships and what we're going to be talking about today, I'm very excited about. She is really into educating on human sexuality. Um, so she's like even more than just a matchmaker. She's a super connector. She has her bachelor's degree from Penn State, master's of education in human sexuality from Widener University. And then she's been helping people for over five years and longer, I'm sure, as you're growing up. I can only imagine the kind of connections you've always made. And she lives in Philadelphia, which is where I'm from. So we're going to talk about that. So Michal and I like really connected in March in New York at the Matchmakers Institute conference, right? Mm -hmm. And then we got back just now from Cancun, Mexico, where our heads were like together probably the entire time, just like really, really, really connecting. And she and I are like in touch every single day. Hi. Hi. I was just thinking as you were talking, Lori, about how connection is so fascinating. If you really Mm -hmm. start to like look at your life like a scientist and look at your connections, Mm -hmm. there's people, there's people where it was like really slow to grow, but then they became your best friend. And then there's people where your connection is really instantaneous. Like you look at their eyes and you're like, whoa, there's something here. And I feel like you and I had that. (laughs) Like it was really instantaneous connection. Like we had really good first date chemistry. (laughs) We totally did. First date chemistry for us. Um, okay. So we're both from Philly, which is really interesting. And I also feel like, and it's interesting because a lot of times my matches are geographic based and we just have a connection with people that are from our hometown is another thing. Right. And so it's fascinating. And you know how people from different areas speak differently. Like sometimes like Northerners, we like overlap talk where we're talking and then the other person starts talking. Like we don't pause and stop talking just because the other person stops talking or, mm. you know, is talking. But see how you just did that? That's how we Northerners talk. And the Southerners don't always understand that connection or the it, it sounds a little more interruptive. So I've kind of learned the Southern way since I've been down here for so long. But then when I'm with somebody else from the North or from Philly or, you know, especially Philadelphia, really. Um, I don't know. We just kind of get into that groove. It just feels I good. Think, I think there's a really interesting thing about living in different places and mm-hmm. being observant to culture. Um, yep. I don't, I don't know exactly how Philly I am. I mean, I'm pretty Philly, but when I've lived in other places, I, that's when it like really hit me, like how Philly I am Yeah. because I, I used to live in Columbia and I remember just, just doing things like approaching somebody, like I would approach a security guard at a mall to be like, where is X and Y shoe store? As an aside, I have to say the shoes in Columbia are terrible. I will only buy Mm. shoes in the U.S. moving forward. But anyways, like I would just approach them. I'd be like, hey, do you know where X, Y, and Z shoe store is? And they'd be like, they'd stop me right there and be like, 
buenos dias, como estas, bien y tú. Like they would show me the way that Colombians do it, which is like, <laughs> you got to have a whole discussion with me before you ask the question. Is it more like that in North Carolina too? Or Well, they don't correct you because that would be rude. Ooh, they but they ooh, might they, take a they pause me. <laughs> and they might call you ma'am. Mm, and sometimes heart. it's like, yeah, bless your heart. You know, that doesn't mean they're really into you. That means F you. Bless mm. your heart. Bless you know, your I never, heart. I never had the experience of living in the South, but I came mm-hmm. really close to it. And I, mm-hmm. and I wonder what I would learn living a in lot. the Southern. Mm. I love living down here. And when I go back to Philadelphia, it's like, I'll go to Bloomingdale's and I'll be like, why are they so mean to me here? Oh. <laughs> like people are just really nice down South. I really like it. And you know, the Northerners have descended. We're all called damn Yankees, but um, I love it. I absolutely love it down here. There's nice people everywhere. There are nice people everywhere. There's there great people to date. There's great friends mm-hmm. everywhere. A hundred percent. There are. You just and have to be looking. The thing about Northerners is we we're more straightforward, which I I really appreciate. And Southerners are going to like coat it a little bit with um, sugar, which I also really appreciate. So there you go. Okay. So we just got back from Cancun. Yes, we did. It was so fun. It was was really great. We were both presenters. We both got to enjoy ourselves. We both danced a little. A Um, little. Match yeah. a lot. Matchmaker conferences are really fascinating. I feel like people want to know what they're like. How would you describe it to someone else? Like what happens at a matchmaking conference? Yeah. So here's what we do with the Matchmakers Alliance. We and Maria, um, Matchmaker Maria, Michelle Jacoby and I are the co-founders of the Matchmakers Alliance. And so we spend all year long trying to figure out the best location, speakers and um, format. So what we've discovered is the best format is to do from nine to one conferencing. So we love it. We cut a little bit of breaks in between, but mainly straight on five hours, whatever it is, conferencing. And then the rest of the day and night is free. And so that's when all the fun really happens, where people are really digging in, getting to know each other on a personal basis. They talk business, but a lot of like ideas are floating around. But for me, I always use this as a time to just really get to know people personally so that throughout the year, I can call them up and say, hey, I've got a client, I need help with this. Or, you know, how do you run your CRM? Or, you know, do you have any ideas of how I should deal with this client? I'm having difficulties or, you know, sales ideas or whatever. So to me, Mm. it's all about relationship building, which is what we did. Totally. And and, um, not so much about the the details about how we're working. So it's just, it's fun. There's that too. I mean- too it's it's such a fascinating thing to mix love and money to mix love and business Mm -hmm. and I think what you'll find at a matchmaking conference is like we talk about business a lot it's business women who are like I'm here to like I'm here to share with you like I could tell you how to run your business better do you want to know what I really think of xyz and we're helping people fall in love but like I think there's a lot of love between us Oh yeah. You have to really trust each other. There's a, there's this level of trust that you have to have where it's like, if I'm going to let my person go on a date with your person, I need to trust, you know, you that this person's going to show up and follow X, Y, Z rule. Because when you set people up on dates, they're like, what does that say about me that you set me up with her, you know, or him? There's a lot of reputation at stake. So we have to start with yes. like a good, loving and respectful relationship with us as business yep. people. Yes. 
because we're not always talking to each other's clients before we're no. matching them with our clients when we're doing exactly. national searches because you know matchmakers don't want to subject their clients to more questions another interview yeah another interview so we do need to trust and then if if it doesn't go well once we're not going back to that matchmaker again or if the matchmaker mm-hmm. says something but it's not this something is not disclosed that's an issue so it's the, really the hard it's, yeah as matchmakers when you make a match and you set people up on a date like can you please show up as your best self yeah. and not like you're putting my reputation on the line. And then if I'm doing it with another matchmaker mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, and just something happens, like communication falls off or you don't follow up with that email. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, yeah, good to know. I'm probably not yeah. going to set you up again. Like I'm really 100%. observing people's yeah. behavior in this, in this environment where there's a lot of ghosting. Mm-hmm. Now people are going to be accountable to us, right? They're mm-hmm. not accountable to the abyss mm-hmm. and I'm going to hold you accountable. And I'm going to watch, like, I'm not saying you need to be the perfect human and be the perfect person on a date, be yourself. Also follow through. Yeah. hundred percent. Agree. All right. I want to talk to you about your, hum- Let's, we got to dive in. I want to talk to you about your human sexuality education. You just want to talk about sex. Okay. We could do let's that. Just, let's just talk about sex. So tell me what it entailed. And then, okay. So that's the first thing. And then second tier is going to be, how do you help clients with that? But let's dig into the education yeah. first. So I, so there's a lot of ways to pursue education in sexuality. Um, what What's really amazing is that there's sexologists all over the country who are adjunct faculty or, or maybe their main faculty at a university you know, and sexology is the study and the research of sex. And then the people who are professors are educators. Um, And I think it's really amazing for everybody when they're in college to make sure that they take a sexuality class. And someone who's just like a random friend of mine, my junior year, you know, you know, when you're like trying to pick classes, but you don't know what to do. And she was like, she was like, you should take the sex ed class that I took. It was like really fun. I was like me, like, I already know everything I need to know. And she was like, no, it's really great. (laughs) And it was the second semester of my junior year. Okay. And it, and like, you know, you have those moments in your life where you're just like, mind is blown and like things become clear. Right. And I just took the class. It blew me away. And I just remember calling my mom and I said, and I don't talk to us. I don't talk to my mom about sex at all, mind you. Yeah. And I called her and I was like, are you sitting down? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I think I know what I want to do with my life. I want to be a sex educator. Nice. What did she say? I mean, there was a lot of silence. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I should tell you, Lori, that's not the first time I've like called my mom and said things like that, where there's a lot of silence on the phone. Oh, dear. <laughs> you know, I've, I've thrown her through a lot of loops. Yeah. But um, it just took me down this amazing path of going to conferences and then pursuing my graduate degree. And I went to Widener it, it was a program that used to be housed at Penn, but they switched mm-hmm. it to Widener because they had a little bit more freedom with their curriculum. Right. And they split it into like two tracks, basically like there's a therapy track and there's an education track. And I never really saw myself as being a therapist for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like environments. I like spaces. I like being the teacher. I like making people talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I went the education track and I learned a lot of education theory. And then a part of studying sex education. I mean, there's a lot to it. I don't know if you want to hear details, but a lot of it is, it's, it's called a SAR. Um, so it's SAR and it's a sexuality attitude reassessment. And, um, I might blow your mind a little bit, but it's a a very core, it's a, it's a core fundamental practice to, um, train sexuality professionals 
The idea is that you watch a video or you meet somebody in real life um, that is from a, a community or a sexual practice or, or whatever it may be, you know, I mean, okay, you could say I watched a lot of porn, if you will. Okay. The idea is they took me, they they take you to this level of, of, of anxiety, watching things or meeting people where you really have to face it and you get to this like peak level and 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 at that peak level where you're so uncomfortable, you're able to just like confront what you really feel and what your values are. And you just take away the shock. I don't know if I'm explaining it very well, um, but like- Give us an some, example. Okay, there were simple things like talking to somebody from a nudist community and they told us about that, what that was like. Okay. Or we, ta- or we talked to someone who was a, a patient of my professor um, of his therapeutic practice who um, he was a child abuser. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was, that was probably one of, that was one of the most horrifying experiences of, of my life, but I really had to sit in a room with that. Um, was that talking about the cycle of abuse? Is that why mm-hmm. they brought him in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, okay. and about, and about the therapeutic practice and like what it mm-hmm. did. Um, I, don't I was thinking about, about that, but yeah, I, I was I'm thinking, still uncomfortable thinking. No, about I know. It, I was thinking about like Michael. Ja- I was thinking about Michael Jackson this morning. I was in a Pilates class. They're playing Michael Jackson, and I was like, "Oh, I can't oh. even listen to him because of that." Mm. And then I remind. Thank you, thank you for saying that because. Okay. And you guys can feel free to turn off this podcast if you don't like this, but like he's canceled. In my in my perspective, yeah. in this world that we live in, like my children are. It is it is a parenting decision that I made that my children are not going to be exposed to Michael Jackson. Yeah. And I'm really serious about it. Yeah. You know, no, I totally because get it. And there's these amazing people. We yeah. thought he was amazing. You yeah. know, yeah. there's a lot of darkness. And he was also sexually abused. And so there is the cycle of abuse there that mm-hmm. needs to be confronted. It's a very complicated issue and it's not, and I, you know, I'm not saying anything about, I mean, I'm, what he did was horrible. Um, and also he was abused and, and, it, and the cycle needs to be addressed. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I can see and, why you know, that Just was to tie this back to, to, to tie this yeah. back to matchmaking for a moment, you know, because yeah. people think, people think sex is all about, you know, whatever people think sex is about. They think it's about like the simple, cute stuff, but it's extremely complex. It's extremely yeah. complex. It's extremely deep. It is. And, and when we meet somebody for, mm-hmm. for matchmaking, they're coming with they might be products of cycles of abuse there might be a lot of trauma you know it's not just about like magically finding a match we have to see who the person is in front of us so the fact that I got you know two years of extremely deep and intense sexuality training I mean it doesn't mean that I'm like ready for whatever comes my way yeah Um, but like I can handle I can handle things, you know, and, and I can figure out who to go to when I can't handle it, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I try to look at things without judgment. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel as much fear, you know, mm-hmm. obviously I don't, I mean, when it comes to topics of abuse and incest and yeah. Michael Jackson, like that's not something that I'm, I don't want to, I can't work with that, but I can yeah. make a referral to somebody yeah. else, yeah. you know? Okay. So when you and I were talking at dinner that night about the, um, the conferences that you've been to tell us more about that and you were describing some like basements and sex parties and stuff <laughs> as part okay, of your edu- as part of your education I mean, let's talk about it <laughs> um, 
Well, um, yeah, like when you put a lot of sexologists together, I mean, no topic is off limits. And I got to, I got to like hear a lot of what they're researching. We talk about therapeutic practices. Um, there's like Tantra workshops, um, you know, there's also a lot of like sex ed stuff, you know, how to teach adolescents about X, Y, and Z and like yep. how to work with couples, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't want it to sound like it's a big orgy, but no, I mean, it's, it's like also like a known fact though, when people like go to conferences, like businessmen, like take off their wedding rings and stuff like that. Like people go to mm. conferences and like play, you know? Yeah. Um, and so like sexuality is just like one of the many conferences, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like you you play with ideas, you interact with people, right? Yes. So um, we also did like a disco party. Okay. So some of it is tame. <laughs> well, I mean, which we also do at the Matchmakers Alliance. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, but that. we don't do the rest of the stuff. Um, what about sexual fluidity? Is that something that, that you guys talk about a lot in your conferences and like, how, how were you educated there? Yeah, I like that you're bringing that up because the next conference coming up is like, I think it's in like Missouri Mm -hmm. and it's a place that it's not as tolerant towards sexual fluidity. So the idea of sexual fluidity is understanding that people's sexuality isn't like fixed. Um, So when you look, for example, at orientation and who you're attracted to, that can like shape and shift over time. Obviously there's, you know, when you're when you have your first crush and things like that, that sneaks up on you. You don't really choose who you have a crush on. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like as we learn and grow and evolve as human beings in our lifetimes, so does our sexuality. And so I think the basis of sexual fluidity is really looking at it through that through that lens and how mm-hmm. people can evolve. Um, but anyway, so the next conference is going to be in Missouri. And it's just like, ooh, how tolerant is this place going to be towards people who don't fit in, in boxes, you know, because mm-hmm. there can also be gender fluidity and orientation fluidity, all of these yeah. things, you know, but I think it was strategic probably to pick Missouri. Yeah. That's interesting. And do you feel like people have always been fluid, but just not accepting it about themselves? Or do you think that because of the openness of community and society now that more people are just kind of feeling more comfortable exploring it. The more we talk about things, the more we're like breaking down these like walls of, of shame and stigma. So like, I just happen to be someone that's like, I'm just not afraid for some reason. I don't know why to just like face these things and talk about it. Like, mm-hmm. fine, let's talk about Michael Jackson. You know, other people are just like, I want to talk about it, you know? Um, yeah let's, let's talk about it. Let's like take it out of the closet. Cause if we talk about it, then we can really address it and figure out how to move forward. And so in terms of, look, there has, there, since the history of time, there has always been same sex, you know, sure. practices and behaviors and relationships. We just like called it different things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and there's always been people who are intersex. There's always been people who are transgender or cross-dressing, yep. whatever it may be. Um, it's just that like, as a society, we like shift, you know, at, with, with how we label it, how we look at it, how we accept it. And mm-hmm. so for me, as I'm 39 years old, I see a bright future. I think that like all of this, all of the rainbow, you know, that we're, that we're seeing and that we're witnessing with, with gender and orientation. It's a result of us taking things out of the 
closet. Ugh, it sounds yeah. so but you know, it's us taking it out of the closet. And I'm just like, oh my God, our younger generation is just making things like better and better and better. Yeah. That's how I feel. I just don't see why we have to be A or B. You know, there's so many different ways to be a human being. Yes. Yeah. I mean, when I was young, um, same sex couple, it was still very much whispered about and um, talked down about and feared and all of it. Hmm. And, you know, I went to an all Where'd you go to school. high school? I went to Where'd Baldwin. Where'd you go? Baldwin. To, yeah. I went to Baldwin. Okay. In, Br- in Bryn Mawr. Okay, and Laurie, went to Baldwin. <laughs> I did. It was an all girls school and it was amazing. I absolutely loved it. Definitely there were lesbians in, in the crew and I think they didn't know how to express themselves. And I think that that was really hard. And now thank goodness they're out living their lives, partnered up, um, I think for the most part. And, but I feel bad that like there wasn't an outlet for them to really be who they needed to be. And now it's so much easier for people with same sex relationships that they can just be who they are and live in communities where they're accepted and society at large is definitely, you know, just really open. And I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that that is the case Um, just for, you know, many, many, many reasons. Um, Okay. So um, let's talk about clients and how you deal with sexuality with clients. And I know when you and I were prepping for this a little bit, we were talking about how we both had um, clients who were virgins and sometimes for religious reasons, uh, waiting for marriage and other times just because they hadn't had an opportunity or even just weren't able to like open themselves up to that out of fear, Mm. you know, or exposure to it. So when you do an intake, are you talking to people about their sexuality and about how they engage, like how, how soon they have with their partners, boyfriends, girlfriends, do you get into all that with them? I mean, the first meeting, not always, Mm -hmm. um, I just feel it out. I mean, some of these things come up really organically, um, but like, because I'm so fascinated by, who we are, you know, yeah. as sexual beings, it'll naturally come up. Um, but that door isn't always open with some people, yeah. especially when they are more inexperienced. And I just want to quickly touch on the word like virgin, because it's mm. really a problematic, it's a problematic word. Um, I, I don't know. Have you ever like heard about like different terms that you could use instead of virgin? I wrote it no. down yesterday. Um, so, okay. So the, so the mm-hmm. better way to put it, and, and I'll explain why the shift is important is um, to, to talk about people who are sexually or relationally naive or inexperienced. Okay. So um, there's a lot of like misconceptions, right. About sex and stuff. And so the, I, this concept of virginity, it just like puts so much weight on the first time that you have sex and also mm-hmm. on like penile vaginal sex. Um, so a lot of people like, you know, when they're like getting their sex ed in high school, they feel like they're still a virgin if they have anal and then they are exposed right. to you know, STIs and things like that, but they like, you know, preserve their virginity. So I think that like, it's, it's probably a word that's, that might go away at some point. I mean, it's a very damaging concept. I can't imagine people would think that anal preserves your virginity. (laughs) You live in the South. I feel like that's where this, I feel like that's where this came from, from like, or or, or, or like Mormon. It's so odd. Any, any societies, any societies that put this heavy of an influence on virginity yeah um do weird things right yeah. and it's like they're going sideways 
Like to yeah, me, so that's weird like, things come out of it. You I know, know it's just when like penetration reality, of any kind is, I don't know, that feels to me like you're losing something or other. <laughs> yeah. So, so really yeah. we're, we're, we're using virgin right now as we're yep. talking about like when a client comes to us as a virgin, but like really we're talking about people who are inexperienced sexually yeah. and relationally. Um, yeah. and, and that could also mean like masturbation, you know, like you, you just get this like feel for someone where you're like, I don't know that you even like touch yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and to, to be searching for a partner, you know, in the search for a partner, we talk a lot about like self-love, love yourself first. And I know that it like, it almost sounds cringy when we say that, but like, but your sexuality is a part of it. And I was talking to a client the other day about like, you know, she doesn't feel attracted to guys X, Y, Z. And I was like, you know, you're putting a lot on the man, right. For you Mm -hmm. to feel like your most amazing sexual self, Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and like, you're waiting until the right guy comes along to like, turn you on. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but like, what about you? Yeah. Placing so much emphasis. You. Yeah. Like it starts with you. I'm like, it's the fact that you're not attracted to so many people mm-hmm. is probably like rooted in some level of like how you feel attracted to yourself, you know, mm. and, and like how, how your sexual energy, like how close it is to the surface or mm-hmm. how much it's been buried because of, there's probably a lot to unpack there. Again, I'm not a therapist, mm-hmm. but there's like therapeutic practices that can really help people with their sexual energy. Um, yeah. So self-love. I, I haven't your question, girl. <laughs> self-love <laughs> equals masturbate. And there's like so many ways to learn how to masturbate. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, like you could just look up Betty Dodson, you know, Betty Dodson, made crap tons of money just teaching women how to use a Hitachi vibrator, like good for her. Um, yeah. And just empower women to connect to their sexual selves. So you would say that's really like the first thing that people need to start doing in order to like create that self-love and, and understand their own bodies, not depend on somebody else to make them happy or make them feel sexy. Mm. You need to feel good in who you are first. That's right. And, and also like, does it. somebody give you an orgasm? Like, do they give you an orgasm or do you experience the orgasm together? Right. Mm. Like, like sexuality is, I mean, it's your own, it's individual. Right. But like right. sexual experiences when they're with someone else are like shared, you know, are you guys giving each other or are you, you know? Yeah. I've gone on some real weird tangents today. <laughs> well, it's just, it started to make me think about how, you know, there's so many times where a woman is not having an orgasm when she's with a man because for many mm-hmm. reasons, Oh yeah, the, the man is usually having one. And then if- what is the response to that? Does, how does the woman feel? How does the man feel? What needs to happen? All the conversations that should be taking place that sometimes aren't happening. Because people don't remember want to that. Talk remember the Seinfeld? It? Remember the Seinfeld where Elaine was like fake, 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 fake. Yes, fake. that one is so good. Um, I literally wrote a paper in my first sexuality class. It was um, HSED five ninety two about why women fake orgasms, and mm-hmm. I went into like really deep into the research about like why women fake it, and then like yeah. I tried to find why men fake it. <laughs> men fake it for very different reasons, um, and not as much research about that. Not as common. Um, it was really, I had, to, I had to dig up that paper because it was so fascinating, but there was I'd like to read it. Yeah. Like there's just not, there's not a lot of funding for sexology as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's freaking fascinating. It's so interesting. At. 
Um, but I don't recommend faking it. If, if no, you know? well, there's no reason. And also people can enjoy sex there's without reasons. having an orgasm. That too. That too. It'll make you feel really close to somebody. It's not always the end product for, for everyone. What would you do with a client? I've had a couple of these where they just keep going on date after date or after date, looking for the perfect one. And then they can't commit to anyone. I just feel like they, you know, and they're being introduced to, there's nothing wrong at all with the matches that, that you're making, but for some reason they can't sort of settle in. And I think it's Mm -hmm. to do with online dating. What's behind door number two, what's behind door number three, can't really settle in people having fear around, you know, making the wrong choice and being stuck, you know, with someone for the rest of their lives, depending on how they think about marriage. Um, have you had clients like that? I have, I have someone right now that I'm working with Mm. that is is that case. And he's a lovely man, but he can't settle in and he doesn't make it usually past date two or three before Uh. he kind of aborts and then wants to meet someone else. If I'm going to be honest, um, yeah, like the fact is that I'm a matchmaker and there's so many different matchmakers, thank God, because this is not where I shine um, because mm-hmm. I think you're talking about, correct me if I'm wrong, you're talking about someone who's like avoidant, no one ever is good enough, you know, right? Is that, or is they're that what I'm afraid, understanding? Yeah, or they're just afraid. I think there's so much fear about making the wrong choice about a life partner and um that they're gonna make a mistake and then be and then be stuck. And maybe they saw a marriage that wasn't great in their own family of origin and they're they don't want to play that that um that tape out or they family of origin. That's a good phrase. Right. And then yeah. And then also they're they don't maybe they don't trust themselves. And then also maybe they're just blocked sexually or they just can't really, they, their, their soul is blocked. Their spirit is blocked from what's mm. really going on. Have you had experience with that at all? I think like, I want to say that somebody like that would really benefit from the matchmaking process, but if they're like 30 dates in and they're still not letting go, it's like mm-hmm. so much more than what a matchmaker can do, you yeah. know, because that is some really deep, deep work, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I, um, I've suggested to clients that I've had in the past that are similar to this, and I've had a few to, um, to go get into therapy, you know, they usually listen to me and then give people a chance, you know, like take it past date two, take it past date three. If you can get to five dates, it usually turns into something or other. And then, um, let down your walls and don't be afraid to experience something just just because you're dating someone doesn't mean you have to get married, but at least it's going to take you to that next level of relationship, um, not only with the other person, but with yourself. And I think that it has to do with fear, internal fear of really facing, you know, who you mm-hmm. are as a human and really connecting with another human on that soul level that they're just kind of blocking themselves. So I do think that mm-hmm. deep work needs to get done. You're who- so deep. You're so deep. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I've started recently to talk a lot about like eye gazing, you know, I feel like Mm. that person, that type of person would really benefit um, because eye gazing, eye gazing is looking at someone's soul, but it's also letting them see yours. And my, my suspicion is kind of what you're saying, you know, there's a lot of fear there about them being seen too. 
you know, it's so funny. I like how deep you are, Lori. It's nice. (laughs) I am. I'm pretty deep. Um, I once took this acting class and one of the exercises was to do the eye gazing for like 45 minutes. No talking. You need to just look into the other person's eyes for 45 minutes. It was intense. I've never experienced Mm. anything like it. And I know, Michal, you were telling me that you did a, a speed dating in Philadelphia this week. And before each mini date, you ha- yeah. the person had to stare into the other person's eyes. How did that go? That's interesting. Oh my God. It like, yeah, like I love matchmaking and setting up dates, but I also mm-hmm. think that like a part of my magic is making these like connection experiences. Like tomorrow I'm going to have like a Shabbat dinner at my home for a bunch of singles and we're going to do a PowerPoint, a PowerPoint party. <laughs> I invited a few. <laughs> Anyways, like we're going to, everybody everybody's going to like make just like five slides, no words, mm-hmm. five minutes talking about something they're passionate about. So just there's creative ways that you can make people, oh, it's going to be so good. Oh. I think my five-year-old is also going to do a PowerPoint. Okay. That about, I can't, I wish I, could I know, I know. Oh. She wants me to work on it with her today. Anyways. Um, but that's a surprise. Anyways, okay. so, so eye gazing. So I ran a, I, I like to curate events. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to handpick who comes. And I did one this past week um, and I rented a space at a club I belong to. And I curated this amazing room of people. I had one VIP that was like a secret, but there was like a one VIP person there. And we had a lot of grounding exercises. And mm-hmm. the idea was like skipping past the like, where are you from? And blah, 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 blah. We mm-hmm. really con- controlled the conversation so that we asked people deeper questions. Mm-hmm. Um, really simple. T- tell me about your name. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me the story of your name. Um, simple questions like that. And before each round, you know, they would like sit down in front of the person, introduce themselves. And then we like stopped them right there and had them do very short, very, not 45 minutes, but they would do eye gazing. Mm-hmm. They would drop into that person before they would have a conversation. Yeah. And it allowed them. It was nice. Cause I started to get feedback afterwards and people talked about how they actually liked the the eye gazing portion and the regrounding. Cause it's like a lot of energy when you're meeting a lot of people and going on so many dates, then we yeah. would like drop them in and create this like space for connection. You're not looking at people's like sweater, how they did their hair. We made them look left eye to left eye and do mm-hmm. an eye gaze and try to see into their soul and let the person see them as well. So it's like no touching, you know, yeah. just seeing People are so afraid to look at each other. Yeah. You know, like I was recently um, in a situation where I looked across the room and um, at someone, I just happened to lay my eyes on somebody and, and they looked away and I was like, oh, they were looking at me from across the room, but then they were, they didn't want me to know that they were looking at them. So they Mm -hmm. looked away and I was like, that to me is even more telling than if they had just met eyes and just been like, Hey, smile or give a little wave or something like that, because they didn't want me to know that they were looking at me. It's such good feedback, isn't it? Like if somebody was able to hear that about them, I had one client and I'm she was in Philly. I'm telling you, she was so beautiful. Her eyes are piercing. Like she's like a model, gorgeous. She Mm -hmm. has a really darling personality and she's warm and she's artistic. Yeah. But she had a lot of trouble. Um, She averts her eyes all the time. Yeah. And I had to tell her that, you know, like I, like after two guys tell me the same thing about your eye aversion, 
She was like, oh yeah, that. And I was like, look, maybe you're uncomfortable with eye contact. Like, that's okay. It's, you could work on that. Yeah. But like, you got to preface the date and tell people, you know, yeah. if this is, if this is an issue that you're working on and you're not good at eye contact, imagine how it makes them feel when you mm-hmm. keep on averting your eyes. <laughs> you know what I need to do? I need to like remind myself to stop looking at someone. Really? Oh God. Yeah. Cause I just, I'm like all in, I'm like eyes on eyes. Like I don't even, I never even look away mm. ever. So I'm like, that makes people like, squirm. Certain people, it, it makes them squirm. It must make people seen. feel so uncomfortable. Um, and I don't even, it's like recently dawned on me that I do that. I just do that. It's how I am. Cause I'm like, I need to know everything about you. Like, let me in, let me in, oh let God. me in. Lori, should we next matchmaking conference? Should we do eye gazing? God. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. I really Let's think like a basis. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Cause I'm saying like a real basis and core of this business is yeah. us having love is us having love for each other. Mm-hmm. Totally. I love that. We definitely need and to like, do that. I'm going to put that on the agenda for next year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, Michal, I could talk to you all day, but the we time has come. We need to stop. <laughs> we covered a lot. We did. Well, we'll do a part two in the future. Wait, let's Let's end with like a question for people. No, no, no. We should make them do some eye gazing. I was going to say an assignment. Take someone. Okay. An assignment. Take Mm -hmm. someone that you love in your life. You already love them. You already feel safe with them Mm -hmm. and ask them if they would practice eye gazing with you for just one minute. And what that means exactly is no talking, just Mm -hmm. looking right into their eyes for one minute. In person. In person. Okay. All right. And then, feel, just... and then let the dopamine flow. There's, you know, there's. Let it flow. Mm-hmm. And then um, go onto the YouTube, go onto my YouTube channel and write a comment on what it felt like. Ooh. You could also slide into people. the DMs. Slide into. You can slide into DMs, go into Caroline's matchmaker. Not everybody or... wants to say. That's true. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Not everybody wants to be public about everything. I need to remind myself that. Okay. So you want them to comment on the YouTube yep. or slide or... into your my DMs or your DMs or both. either, either. It doesn't matter. What's your, uh, what are your socials? I'm at Michal matches, M-I-C-H-A-L matches. Yep. Okay. Perfect. So that's Instagram. Is that, are you, yeah, yeah just go on Instagram. That's the best just way. Just go on Instagram. Me. I'm on yeah, TikTok, easy. Jewish matchmaker, but yeah, Love I'm a, I'm an Insta girl. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Good. It has been a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Did you learn that in your acting class? That was friendship, Baldwin. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. We're having too much fun here. Um, right. Until until next time. Until <laughs> we'll next time. Soon. Bye, Laurie. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Love on the Go. I hope you join us on our next episode. You can make sure to know when it is by following us wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed it, it'd be great if you left us a review. I'd appreciate it. In the meantime, to learn more about me and how my team can help you, visit carolinasmatchmaker.com. Until next time.